Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, conversations that help change the way you lead. I'm Andy Peck. For many of us, the word missionary conjures up particular images. And depending on our age, we may still imagine men and women sent to inhospitable places to share the gospel of Jesus. While this image may still work in some cases, mission has been changing massively in recent decades. To talk about the changing face of world mission and what this means for church and charity leaders, I'm joined by Eddie Arthur, former executive director of Wycliffe Bible Translators, who's currently now the director for Strategic Initiatives for Global Connections, the UK network for churches and mission agencies. He's also working on a PhD on missionary communication. So welcome back, Eddie, to the Leadership File. Thank you, Andy. It's good to be here. You were, of course, a missionary yourself who went to, um, I, I struggled to use this word, in his hospitable. I got it wrong in the introduction. <laughs> but you actually were in a place that was was pretty tough by most people's standards. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't inhospitable in as much as the people were very hospitable. They were very welcoming, very kind. But um, we were in a an isolated village in Ivory Coast in West Africa. And it was hotter and um, there were far more malaria-carrying mosquitoes than you would normally wish for. So... In people terms, it was very hospitable. In sure. terms of the environment, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. Well, bless you. Um, and I mean, you're you're on the show before, I think, as um, when you were executive director of, of Weekly Bible Translators. Um, so you you obviously moved away from that back to to working uh, for Global and Connections, and also doing some research. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So for some time, you've been reminding the UK Church that when we look at global Christianity. The kind of West to the rest mantra has not been true for some time. And maybe you can remind us of some of the kind of key statistics in this whole area. The, the statistics um, are always difficult. Um, you know, counting Christians, you know, who, who draws the lines. But basically, however you look at it, the majority of Christians in the world are in Africa, Asia and Latin America. Um, at the beginning of the 20th century, even into the middle of the 20th century, Christianity was basically a religion of the north, of Europe, North America, and um, you know this sort of European diaspora. But now we are very much in the minority. Um, you know, we we tend to think of you know if you think of Christians in Britain, you tend to think of elderly, um, white, middle class people. Around the world, Christianity is predominantly a religion, a religion of the poor, of the young, and most Christians are female. Right. So on average, Christian, on world terms, is somebody living in the slums of Rio de Janeiro or in a shanty town on the outskirts of um, Lagos in Nigeria. Well, yeah. And you say, are there any stats on the proportion of women versus men? Um... Generally, again, depending on who you're looking at, I've got the World Christian um, database in front of me here. Um, about 55 to 60% of Christians in most contexts are female. Right. I mean, that's partly, of course, because women live longer. So, <laughs> so. It, it, it is, and actually, um, controversially, the figure for almost every religion is very similar. Okay, okay. No, so interesting. Okay. W- women are more spiritually sensitive than men. 
one might, might argue. Right. When it comes, uh, Eddie, to to reflecting on the, um, the some of the changes in the last you know number of decades, um, uh, you know, t- typically Britain used to be a, a, a heavy sender of missionaries. Is that is that still the case? Britain has an amazing missionary heritage. I remember um, uh, an Ivorian Christian saying to me, whenever you've heard of a famous missionary, they're always British, which isn't quite true, but um, certainly we have phenomenal history. And we do still have... We send a lot of missionaries, um, you know, by comparison to the size of the country. But in comparison to a country like, say, Korea, we're not in the same league. Um, Percentage by head of population, or... By, by church, the country that sends the most missionaries per congregation is Singapore. Wow. Uh, in terms of percentage of Christians, it's probably either Korea or Nigeria. And in absolute numbers, it's the United States because they are so big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there used to be the, you know, a real uh, a sense, I suppose, within certainly the, the, the UK church of, of the massive need uh, to send missionaries, uh, sometimes, of course, that need was 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 prejudiced in one way or another, perhaps. But certainly, there was a theological base that uh, that we needed to to take the gospel of Jesus to those who'd never heard it, or at least to those who had a who were believing in a in, in foreign gods, as they as it would be understood. Do you think that that theological base is still is still there in the UK? I, if you trace the. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. If you trace the way that thinking about mission has developed during my career, I, I remember um, very early on it was very difficult to justify any form of mission that wasn't directly evangelistic. And um, you know, there was you know, mission was taking the gospel, it was preaching. And then over the last thirty years, we've become much more accepting that mission is broad and includes um, social action, caring for the poor. Um, uh, you know, all, women's rights, all sorts of issues that are added on there. Um, but I think in the background, within the concept of many people, somewhere along the line, we have lost the conviction that we have to take the message of Christ to the lost. Because um, I think there's all sorts of reasons for that. There's post-colonial guilt. I think within the church in Britain, we are less convinced than we once were of the power of the gospel to transform lives. And I think just quietly and not very obviously, the agenda for evangelism is slipping away from missionary consciousness in this country. I know that's a little controversial, but that would be... Nobody would state it as clearly as that. But... As I observe, observe the mission scene, that's what I see happening. Okay. Well, maybe we can, in a little while, come back to the kind of some of the definitions of mission and yeah, evangelism and, and kingdom that, that that's kind of bound up in that. Um, yeah. Uh, certainly, there the, the seems to have been a trend towards short-term mission on the increase. I know Operation Mobilization were famously back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, maybe I'm sure today were, were working on short-term mission and getting opportunities for younger people, particularly to go overseas. Um, and, and some, to some extent, that is that's fed into the whole thing. Is is that still very much the case? Do you think? Yes, um, the short-term mission uh, movement is massive. Um, it's almost a rite of passage for, for you know for many Christian young people um, to to do your mission trip as part of your gap year or part of your university experience, and it can be 
a fantastic thing. Um, I, you know, most people who go into mission long term had a short term mission involvement, and many people who continue as supporters and people who pray for mission are ones who've been inspired by short term trips. But to be honest, there is there is also a downside to um, a lot of what is called. Uh, mission is often little more than Christian tourism, yeah. to be you know, awfully blunt about it. Um, you didn't bring me on to be subtle, did you? Um, <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I, think, uh, I mean, there have been articles about so-called mission vacations. And, they have, uh, yes. There's, there's a lot written about it. I've, I've blogged about it quite quite a lot. Um, within the aid sector generally, not not just the mission sector, there is a, um, a term that I quite like, voluntourism. Right, yeah. You're a volunteer, volunteer, but really it, it, it's about tourism. You know, um, the organisation I work for, Global Connections, has a a, a um, best practice document for short term, and I would suggest to anybody who is considering a short term mission experience to have a look to make sure that the organisation that they're working with adheres to the best practice code of best practice. Yes, I mean, I, I guess one of the concerns is. If, if you're going out to do something, maybe a, a physical, you're building a house or whatever, you know, obviously there's man, a massive benefit. But, but sometimes if you're ga- engaging in things where cultural sensitivities need to be learned and you can abuse you know, some of the lo- things that are happening locally, then the mission, the, the, the ongoing mission partners have to pick up the pieces uh, in due course. Yeah, there, there are you know, um, short-term, short-termers don't have time to learn the language or all of the cultural... Um, complexities, but just say the idea of going out to build a house. Aren't there any house builders in the country we're going to? Um, you know, to take a team of people from the UK to build a house somewhere is very, very expensive, and it's probably doing somebody locally out of a job. Okay, no, that's fair, fair comment. Yeah, you know, I, I we have to be very careful that what we are doing is not actually exporting unemployment. Sure. Um, you know, taking out teams of short-termers at huge expense to do things that locals would do if they were given the opportunity. Mm. And you know, balancing this sort of thing is incredibly complex. Oh, sure, no, p- appreciate that. I, 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 I use what I thought was a, um, a, a safe example, but, but, but clearly, yes, even that, even yeah. something where, where there's no obvious missional dimension, at least in terms of uh, proclamation, can can still itself uh, be very insensitive to local economy. So, yeah, it, it can be. You know, not always. I, you know, there's no black and white lines there. No, sure, sure. Well, you're listening to the Legion at Fire with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Eddie Arthur, the uh, former executive director of Wycliffe Bible Translators, now working with uh, Global Connections, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Eddie Arthur. Eddie's the Director for Strategic Initiatives for Global Connections, the UK Network for Churches and Mission Agencies. We're talking about um, our understanding of, uh, of world mission and particularly its implications uh, in the second part uh, for, for church leaders. And uh, we were talking before the break, particularly at uh, some of the, uh, the, the differences between maybe mission maybe 40, 50 years ago and uh, mission today. Perhaps we could talk in terms of a, little, a few definitions, uh, Eddie, because I know you have uh, some opinions on, on this. Uh, <laughs> you know, words such as mission, evangelism, kingdom, uh, and how how they tend to be used in the world, and what maybe might be the wisest way of using them. Um, 
I, I collect definitions of mission, and uh, I've got a, a massive list of them. Um, you know, to me, I think the question must always be, in, in Christian discipleship, and, and mission is, you know, in the end, part of our discipleship, we have to start with the action of God. You know, what is God doing? And if you look at the God who created this world and told us to care for it, who redeemed us when we fell, and who cares for us, who um, commands us to care for the poor, if you look at the action of God as someone who goes out, reaches out to us, draws us back to him, builds, builds us into a community by his spirit and cares for our needs, mission is about joining in with what God is doing, about participating in his bigger work. So it is about reaching out to people to bring them the message of salvation. You know, Jesus said, um, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So, you know, going in mission is following in his footsteps and doing what he did. Um, and he preached the good news of the kingdom and he healed the sick. And I think we are called to do both of those our Western mindset tends to separate out the spiritual and the secular, and so we, you know, we um, drive a wedge between good works and proclamation. But I don't think that's a particularly biblical point of view. I think it all goes together, and it's, you know, it finds its um, its example in the work of Jesus, and we are following in His footsteps, following in the footsteps of the Triune God revealed through the whole of Scripture. Um, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we reduce mission to three verses from the end of Matthew. You know, very often people will say, well, mission is the great commission. Um, go into all the world, make disciples. Um, I think it's far more than that. It's a reflection of God at work from Genesis through to Revelation and our finding our role within that. So uh, that's, that's really helpful. Um, in, in terms of the kind of mission agencies and their function today with 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 UK churches um <clears throat> given given some of these these changes the, the, there's a it's a big challenge for uh for agencies to interact appropriately with with local church leaders uh, i mean some obviously some local church leaders they've maybe come to churches where there was, there's been existing missionaries some are in the process of of helping members to become you know, to decide where to go and, and who to go with and that sort of thing. So, so talk a little bit about the kind of modern, uh, some of the modern challenges that the that, that, that church leaders face with respect to, to mission agency. Well, I, I think the biggest challenge that church leaders face with regard to mission agencies is the sheer number of them and being bombarded by um, you know, publicity and requests for speakers and everything else. Um, you know, there are just so many mission agencies out there. It is very, very hard for church leaders to to navigate through the the complexities. And you know, to be honest, I don't. As a former mission leader, I don't think we do church leaders any favours by just the complexity of the world we present to them. Um, to me, the the local church, the local congregation, is the key to world mission, not the agency. You know, people are called into their disciples within a church. The agencies are there to help the church do their role. Um, you know, um, just take the example that you know, I'm most familiar with, with Wycliffe. A church in, say, 
uh, West Yorkshire, uh, somewhere at random, um, who feels a call to be involved in translating the scriptures for a people group in Asia doesn't have the skills or the background necessary. So Wycliffe can help them. But it is their church, their people, going to the church and its its members going to do the work. Wycliffe is there to assist. And I think we need to sort of reorientate our thinking that mission is about the church and the agencies are there to support the churches rather than agencies are there to take people and take money from churches to do the agency's thing. The agency's role is to support the church doing its thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that is the the, the challenge of is the kind of partnership challenge, isn't it? And and part of the problem is that that some some of the uh, not so much mission agencies, but certainly some of the charity work is trying to trying to create uh, collaboration where it necess- doesn't necessarily exist because the church leader still feels you're after our money. <laughs> that's yeah, the sad and, thing. And. Quite naturally, because, you know, we agencies, we write write letters to them saying, give us money. Mm. You know, it works best where there is a relationship, you know, like everything else. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I, I found in, in all areas, collaboration was best where I could sit down with a minister, we could, you know, with a, with a pastor, we could drink a cup of coffee, we could solve all of the world's problems, get to know each other. Yeah. And then, you know, deal with the funding issue, with the personnel issues or whatever. But, um, again, there are so many agencies knocking on the door. It, it, it's very difficult for, you know, my sympathy goes out to church leaders who want to be involved in world mission. Yeah. And, and, of course, mission agencies depend on churches to be speaking the right kind of message to help its members, A, think about mission, and be interested in serving that need themselves. Uh, do you sense that, that, that there are churches who are as, uh, I hate to word, use the word passionate, it's a bit of a glib word, but, you know, who are keen on on helping folk with, with the World My Mission task? Or, or actually, has, has the world changed in terms of local church life and, and kind of local, the local side seems to be more popular or at least more more focused than, than the, the global side? Um, the Evangelical Alliance are doing a series of um, surveys. They did it. They launched a massive thing about three, four years ago. Twenty-first century Christians, and it was a snapshot of the um, practices and beliefs of Evangelical Christians. There wasn't a single mention of world mission wow. in that document. Now, twenty, thirty years ago. World mission was a defining feature of evangelicalism, yeah. um, and it didn't get a mention in this initial sort of snapshot of the evangelical church. Um, so I do think that a consciousness of what's going on in the world and a desire to be involved in world mission isn't as common as it used to be. I think... Um, you know, there are all sorts of reasons for this. Partly, you know, a lot of churches are just struggling to survive, and they are very aware. Uh, I think it's becoming people are becoming increasingly aware of the missional challenge on their doorstep, yeah. not only of you know immigrant populations, but also the indigenous British population who are, you know, a long way from being Christian. And of course, there are 
um, just as we started the program. There are, um, percentage-wise, far more Christians in, say, Kenya or Uganda than there are in the UK. So, um, you know, people are thinking, well, the traditional mission mission, um, fields don't need us, but we do need things here. So I think there is, to some extent, it's not universal, but there is a trend away from a concentration on world mission. Okay, but but you would want to, I suppose, affirm, particularly you, you know, within the, within the Bible translation world, but also there are other aspects of, uh, of of you know, there are obviously many countries in the world who still need the kind of skill gifting that that UK churches could provide. What well, absolutely? I mean, there are you know billions of people in the world who don't know Christ and who will never meet a Christian. Um, now. We, as a British church, have a responsibility to be involved in that. It's not just our problem, and we aren't going to solve it. And equally, the British church can be blessed by Christians from overseas. I think one of the reasons why I'm passionate to see British churches involved in mission is that the more churches seek to bless the world, the more the Lord seems to bless them and involvement with Christians from other parts of the world, involvement in unreached people groups, or however you want to talk about it, is also good for the church here. Um, I, I'd say that the British church needs world mission more than world mission needs the British church. Well, that's, a, that's a fascinating fascinating way of looking at it. Splendid. Uh, and uh, just to say in, in passing, of course, you know, I think you've hinted at this already, that, that there are some churches who kind of do their own thing, particularly some of the new church groupings, um, shall we say, uh, and there's some you know, pros and cons to that. There are. I, um, there are lots of churches who have um, direct partnerships with um, you know, a diocese or a church in another part of the world. Um, generally, I think that's great. I, I, but I would highlight two problems. <coughs> Excuse me. The first is, very often, those partnerships exist in places where there are huge numbers of Christians already. Um, you know, when, when I talk to church leaders and they have a, they say, you know, well, we have a partnership with the church, I will normally find that that is somewhere in East Africa. And being cynical, I'll think, well, they speak English, there's a nice climate, good beaches aren't too far away. I very rarely meet a church leader who has a church partnership with a group in, say, Chad or Kazakhstan somewhere where it is hostile to be a Christian. There are, you know, there are some notable exceptions, and praise the Lord for those, but we need to be looking at our, putting in our partnerships in the difficult places. The other thing is that very often churches seem determined to repeat the mistakes that agencies have been making for 200 years. The, um, you know, mission agencies have their problems, but we have learned a lot. And I think one of the things that we've got to be looking is to um, how can the sort of the learning that mission agencies have built up over history since the late 1700s be used to help churches who are looking for creative ways to get directly involved in mission so that they don't make all the same mistakes yeah. they can make new ones <laughs> indeed yes well it's terrific eddie thank you so much for for just i know it's a bit of a snapshot but it's Hopefully, helping uh, helping leaders to to grasp a bit better the, the the kind of global need and you know maybe they've 
uh, have got some thinking to do in the in the local situations they find themselves. You, you mentioned Global Connections. Uh, do you mind us of the website? Um, globalconnections.org.uk globalconnections, all one word Great, and obviously there's information for folk if they are yeah. on, on mission and particularly that best practice which you spoke about yes. um, which is being and ideal for we're sure. also in the process which I think would be very interesting of developing a best practice guidelines for churches seeking partnerships overseas and this, I'm facilitating it but it's actually being developed by church leaders who are doing stuff on the ground that's fantastic. And that will be out in a couple of months. Wonderful stuff. Well, you've been listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. Thank you, Eddie, for, uh, for your help. You're more than welcome. Uh, so that was Eddie Arthur, who's uh, f- um, currently the Director for Strategic Initiatives for Global Connections, the UK network for churches and mission agencies. Uh, he's got his own uh, a blog. Can you remind us of your blog uh, address? It's Kouya, K-O-U-Y-A dot net. Wonderful. And you'll also find me on Twitter as at Kouya. Wonderful. Kuya is the people group we translated this, my wife and I translated the scriptures for. Wonderful. Well, and do log on to Premier's own website and you can listen to archive versions of the Leadership File. You can sign up on iTunes as well and get uh, regular updates of this, uh, this show. So look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.